Hello and welcome to another episode of 353rd. I'm Scott Barstow. And I'm Anders Brownworth. Anders, it's been a little bit since we last got together. We, we always all, lament about that. I know. It's always sad, <laughs> Yeah, but it just is. But we did have two, two shows back to back very fast. Very interesting too. The summer months has brought vacation and all sorts of other things. And anyway, here we are. Yeah, that's the way it goes. That's right. That's so what right. are we talking about? One of the things that I think is really interesting is with the advent of Bitcoin, and we've talked a lot about Bitcoin on this show. Obviously, yes, you work at Circle, which is you know a cryptocurrency company. And I've started thinking about the idea that we have the Bitcoin network, which is really the first really solid implementation of a decentralized financial network, yeah. just for lack of a better, to make it really simple. Sure. But the problem, the fundamental flaw with the Bitcoin network is that it, uh, I would argue, is that it's riding on a network that is still, while decentralized, still controllable by states or private companies. Not private right. companies, but states but private or private entities yeah. would probably be a better way to say that. And what I mean by that is, you know, the U.S. government still wields a lot of control over the internet upon which the Bitcoin network depends. True. And the same could be said of the Chinese government and any other, you know, nation state. Mm -hmm. What I'd like to talk about today is what does that mean? Number one, what are the problems with that? And then what are the potential solutions for that? Well, so I think it's important to point out maybe a subtle distinction. And that is the one that the, the premise of the network was not to decentralize the ownership or the control of it. But and rather, by the network, just to clarify, by the network, we're talking about the internet. Correct? The internet, right. It was created to decentralize the flow so that if you know some kind of nuclear warhead blows up in some part of the country, the packets would automatically find a way around that rather than you know, not knowing where to go. That was the technical thing that the network was trying to accomplish. It wasn't trying to accomplish a decentralized, certainly not ownership, but a control. It wasn't trying to do that. And, and I, that's an important, that's a very important point. Right. I think people project that onto the internet. The internet must be completely free. Well, I mean, you have companies that have spent many, many billions of dollars over and over and over again to build this network. They're trying to collect money for allowing you to use it. And it, for some reason, people feel like it's a, you know, a fundamental human right that the network is available and free or something like this, which is kind of unreasonable if you think about it. Right. I think the, a lot of people like to compare the internet to other, they think it should be treated as a utility like water. Yeah. or electricity. And I think the difference primarily is that for the most part, your tax dollars have built that infrastructure. And, you know, city governments and state governments have either taken out loans or raised taxes in order to properly build the infrastructure for a given city. Right. So, so the same is not true of the Internet, although that's changing. There's a city here in North Carolina, Wilson, North Carolina, which has this project called the Greenlight Project. And the city has actually borrowed money and has built the internet infrastructure or the network infrastructure for the city. Right. 
But up until that project, there's been very little, at least here in the U.S., there's been very little effort on the part of municipalities to treat this as a true utility. Right, right. It doesn't make sense to trench in, you know, three different water supply from water supply companies and three different sewer systems and all. Sure. Maybe there are more than one ways of getting internet where you are, but in many parts of the country, you know, at least in the U.S. here, there are monopolistic systems. You have one opportunity. If you don't get it through, oh, I don't know, Comcast or something, you're not going to get the internet. And I suppose you could do it over your phone, but that might be cost prohibitive. I don't think it really changes the fact that there is a single ownership or controls, whether it's the government in the area or some company that has either an artificial or real monopoly for whatever reason is still the single point of control and wouldn't I look at networks that have been built by you know people taking a Pringles can and making Wi-Fi antenna out of it a super long range Wi-Fi antenna to the tune of well more than 10 kilometers and building these long span networks from building to building and city to city certainly in rural areas very much farther like on the order of 50 to 70 kilometers using Wi-Fi so unlicensed data carrier that's unlicensed in many cases sort of these homegrown networks appear and you're able to span these now that's that's like a truly not controlled by some you know large entity network correct i'd like to also talk about a a friend of mine came up with an idea to allow a way for smartphones to talk over the public unlicensed radio spectrum so she's made this thing's called gotenna if you go to g-o-t-e-n-n-a.com you can see these little things they're like a little device and they connect to your phone via bluetooth and then they just transmit you know within a five mile radius or so and you can talk to other people who have the device and create data connections and do all kinds of interesting things but it essentially allows you to be totally off of the infrastructure be that because the infrastructure is controlled in a way you don't like or because there's been a storm, there's no services, or, or you're just out in the middle of nowhere and there is no service anyway. Uh, so there's some interesting other examples out there, none of which are predominant, but some interesting non-controlled you know, controlled examples out there. What do you think about the whole idea of what we've seen over the past two to three months, and we haven't talked about it yet on this show, is the raging debate about net neutrality, which has really, the pointy tip of the spear on that is really Netflix and Comcast. Right. And Comcast metering or, yeah, I guess metering Netflix traffic and, you know, some would say slowing it down or whatever. The, there's been lots of accusations hurled back and forth. Yeah, deprioritizing. Yeah. First of all, what do you think about net neutrality as a concept? And then secondarily, has there ever really been true net neutrality or does true net neutrality only exist in the kind of network you were just describing with Gotenna, which is a true kind of mesh network built by the people who are actually using it? Yeah, I think Gotenna is really not meant to mesh out more than direct communication from one device to another that can directly hear each other. They don't go hops, mm-hmm. but a mesh, which does do hops, 
these mesh networks do exist, mostly predicated on Wi-Fi. So yes, they're definitely there. On the topic of net neutrality, this is one of those things where I can see both sides of it. I can certainly understand a company or an investor's argument that they've sunk billions of dollars into an infrastructure and they can do what they please with it. It gets a little muddy when you realize that in some, maybe many areas, those entities have been given pretty much a monopolistic opportunity yes. to exercise in a market. So then you start saying, well, all right, yeah, you did sink the money in, but you had no competition. So it's not like the consumers in that area have another option they can just switch to if you decide to meter up or deprioritize or whatever you're going to do. I see the consumer argument and I see the big investors argument. I suppose the vote is out. I certainly know which way I would like it to go. I don't like it when people are messing with routing priorities or completely cutting things off or severely limiting or hot potato routing certain networks. I mean, this kind of thing is, it taints what should be a blind medium. It shouldn't know anything really about the traffic that it's serving. It should just serve the traffic. Because I think if you look at some responses to having the Napsters of the world essentially route the music industry, one of the responses was, well, why don't we just tack on a fee and give it to the music producers and it just seemed like the wrong way to go about it. And that's not the way. You don't just tack on a tariff for some specific industry that happens to be the one being run over right now by disruptive technology because tomorrow a completely different industry is going to be run over by disruptive technology. And if you let the industries figure it out, generally they're going to come up with some way to make a profit. Some they're going to tailor their service. And obviously the music industry still exists. It looks very different from what it used to. There was a large sort of middle piece that sort of dropped out, middle management piece maybe that dropped out. But the music industry is alive and thriving, even in the world of the internet. They were able to do it. In some degree, I can say, well, you know, Netflix can figure something out. Well, probably less likely because they probably have fewer options. Maybe the way is to get a, a Google Fiber-like project going, kind of spur that type of an idea on everywhere so there's, and fight against a monopolistic license and let there be many options and then let the companies compete actually on the quality of the service. Yeah, and I think then, the, the main problem that I have with the current state of things as it pertains to net neutrality is that you have content providers, i.e. Comcast, AT&T, Time Warner, all of the big infrastructure companies are also some of the largest content providers. Mm -hmm. So therefore you have, it's not just that Comcast has built this great network, they need to be able to regulate the traffic on that network because for whatever reasons, whether it's performance or whatever, what's happening is that they're metering Netflix because Netflix is directly competing where they make all of their money, which is on the content side of things. That's where it creates this sort of unfair advantage, if you will, for companies like AT&T and Time Warner and Comcast because they can prioritize their content on the same network above a company like Netflix. Mm -hmm. In my mind, that's where they have this sort of unfair advantage. Now, you could make the argument that Comcast paid to build out the network, so they should have the unfair advantage. 
Mm-hmm. However, as you said, what's next? What decision do they get to make next because they're sitting in the middle? Yeah. It's also if they just made the network and competed from day one with other companies trying to just make networks, then I would be much more open to this. The problem is in many places, they've been given a monopolistic license. Correct. So it is not just a company building a network. It's a company building a network with no competition. So they can effectively not really have to listen as long as they deliver some basic level of service. And let's be honest, in the, the United States, the network is almost laughably slow compared to what you can get in the rest of the the first world. I don't know if slow is the only thing that matters. This is probably probably not. Probably many other things matter. But uh, I'll just throw that out there as an option. So what are these? What's left? It seems to me a far cry to assume that a Wi-Fi mesh network the size of, oh, the United States would show up. That It's just the technology can't support that. You know, in order to support that, we need a lot of infrastructure build out, a lot of repeating, a lot of take a lot of work. You really need a much longer range radio technology to kind of do something like that. Um, And as soon as you do that, then you're right back in the same game. Because whoever, let's say that we actually go that route and have this alternate network, whoever spends the money to build that network will then sort of be in the same position that the internet, that the ISPs are today, which is that, look, you know, we spent all this money up front to make this mesh network thing work. So we get to control what happens, or potentially they could. Well, here's another idea, and this is put forward by a friend of mine. The idea is that if you have a building, let's say it doesn't make sense for Time Warner or Comcast or whatever the local company is to run a line to every single apartment just to give them some internet. I mean, why wouldn't the community just kind of band together and put a few Wi-Fi devices on all the floors in the apartment building and, you know, we'll all pay one fee. I mean, that this is against the terms of service for perhaps not surprising that they wouldn't like that. But if a community were to start there, I'm, what I'm suggesting effectively is a grassroots effort where communities come together and say, okay, you know, like you were saying with Wilson, North Carolina, it's going to be the local community coming together and paying for the infrastructure. And, and that implies like if it breaks, they pay just like you pay somebody to fix the water pipe, you know, the plumbing. If the plumbing breaks, you pay somebody to come in and fix whatever the infrastructure is. And then the infrastructure is totally up to you. You can yep. use Wi-Fi, deliver fiber to all the apartments, who cares, whatever. And then go one step farther than that. Now the building is kind of community internet. So then the sidewalks, let's say the sidewalks, you know, who pays for the sidewalks? Well, they're paid for by the municipality in the area. Why wouldn't you run lines, you know, just run some fiber down the streets and pay for it the same way? You know, Mm -hmm. if there's a fiber line cut, then it's the... You know, municipality that brings in the guy to come, the fiber splicer to come in and fix the thing, and everything goes on from there. And then that's just one more level up. And you keep leveling like that, and eventually 
you have backbone providers. It just turn into backbone providers eventually. And then um, I, I think the logical thing that happens next is the traffic between two cities or between two exactly. areas starts to ride over a different network that's controlled. Maybe it's even built and paid for by the municipalities involved and traffic. The, so if I want to talk to somebody in, you know, in if I'm in Wilson over, and, yeah. I, and I want to talk to somebody in Raleigh and those two cities have paid to connect, then that's a part of your city taxes or who knows what that looks like. Right. But it's a different feel when it's a true utility. And I just don't I think people think that's what it is today. Yeah. And it's and just we not. just have it. It's not the way the network was built. It's not the way it was thought about. Yeah. And it's so it requires starting over if that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think it would be very, very interesting. And I think if anything is going to happen of significance, it's going to be something more like that than it's going to be fighting the net neutrality fight and coming out the other side with some reasonable system or setup. It seems less likely. We'll see. As I said, I can see both sides of this. It's not a cut and dry, shut the book kind of issue for me. It's it, I can see why the arguments are being made, and I certainly know where I'd want it to go, but it doesn't seem like there's an obvious way that this is going to fall at this point, for me at least. Yeah, I think the thing that we have to keep in mind is that even if the ISPs lose the so-called net neutrality battle, there's still things that those companies can do on their network that we'll never know about. And I'm sure they've been doing them since the beginning of all of this. You know, they've got so much capability inside the network to determine what goes where and, you know, and how fast it gets there and all of those kinds of things. I think it's unrealistic to think that they will just roll over and not do what's in their best interest. Yeah. I think there's the profit motive is so strong. And let's be let's be honest, they're under threat from all sides. If you look at what's happening in mobile, you know, they're not really able to handle it. There's da there's data offload happening on the mobile side. There's the margins are quickly evaporating on that side of it. And so you've got this price pressure everywhere. Yeah. And so they have to have the profit motives strong enough to suggest that they must look for ways to monetize the network. Mm -hmm. That may not be in the ways that we all think it should be. And I think that's where the opportunity then comes, assuming we don't have the monopoly you were talking about, or that there's an alternative for the city or you know someone else to step in and say, hey, look, here's a different way to solve this problem. Yeah. Until that happens, I think we have to be realistic. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So the friend of mine that proposed this alternate network ideas, a guy by the name of Bob Frankston. You can see more about him at frankston.com, F-R-A-N-K-S-T-O-N.com. And he's, uh, he's a really interesting guy. He came up with VisiCalc with Dan Bricklin. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Good guy. <laughs> he lives in uh, Newton, the area around here. So really, really interesting idea of how you can essentially rebuild the network from the grassroots from the bottom up he's got a good google talk on it actually pretty interesting we'll include some of these references in our show notes please check them out and we'll also include some additional links that got us started talking about this subject sounds good till next time thanks for listening